Hey y'all, how y'all doing today? Hope everybody's having a great week. Um, you know, enough is enough. I know I keep saying that, but enough is enough. It really is. Now you may be wondering, what does that even mean? What does it mean that enough is enough? What does that mean? Tell me, what does that mean? Well, I'm gonna tell you. I'm sick and tired. I'm sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of having to turn on my TV to see another young black man taken from this earth out of cold blood. Because again, it's been normalized so much. But then, even with social media, it's still silent because nobody's trying to pull up. Nobody's trying to make consistent consistent advocacy. For those who do, shout out to y'all. Nobody's perfect by no means, but I'm sick and tired of it. I'm sick and tired of wiping the blood, sweat, and tears from my face just to be scrutinized and villainized for being that same angry black man in quotation angry black man in a black suit with a blue and gold tie you already know I have to represent but still I'm sick and tired of having to constantly and I mean constantly answer the numbing multiple choice style question of oh what is it like to be black matter of fact I'm sick and tired of having to walk back to my apartment with a giant white truck screaming effing b-word n-word i'm gonna spare y'all from it because you know again we still gotta you know we have a podcast but, you know we gotta be careful of course they would they would rule me out rather than ruling out other people who say that of course via social media but we won't let that we won't we won't talk about that of course i'm sick and tired of hearing the same preppy resume building individuals that are continuing to sit on their soapboxes saying, we stand with you and would never condone such rhetoric, but still have the audacity to say, but it's just free speech. Just free speech. Just free speech. By the way, not a constitutional buff, but I, you know, I know my way around the park. People don't want to even reference the Constitution. It's kind of interesting. Same Constitution that, um, you know, and so it's supposed to be for all people, even though, of course, if you're black, you try to touch it, you know, you automatically kind of get whacked. But that's besides the point. I'm sick and tired. Matter of fact, I'm sick and tired of those very people that we just talked about telling me what's impossible. Like they instantaneously know what it's like to be in my shoes as a black person. I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. Fannie Lou Hamer said that. I have to give her credit on that. Well, let me tell you, through all this, through all the obstacles I just laid out, and by the way, all true narratives, through all the nightmares, through all the tears, through all the panic attacks, through all the breakdowns, I not only come from greatness just as much as you do, but with that, that very greatness that not only I share but the black diaspora shares is the very reason that I, yet we, can do the impossible. Because that's the core of black excellence. And this is the narrative not only of myself, but for many, many, many black peoples of intersectional backgrounds. So, you know, this episode is not specifically towards a let's say, a a narrative or an ideal. 
But this is to go out to the people who, again, are frustrated, they're deterred, they're hurt, to say that you can continue to go forward because the work that you're doing matters. Because if you're pushing somebody's buttons, if you're making people feel uncomfortable when it comes to talking about the experiences of black people and the inequities, the inaccessibility, the racism, the homophobia, the sexism, the ableism, you're on the right track. Because again, people need to be vulnerable. People need to be uncomfortable when they're having these dialogues. If they truly and consciously want to see change, whether it's within our schools in our communities, in our public office, and in our nation. That's never changed from our episodes. After, uh, I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be very specific. It's, it's the very grounds that I'm stopping right now before I graduate. I'm just going to be completely honest with y'all. After weeks and weeks of battling back and forth with the administrators, the faculty, and of course, you dang on know the students, and, you know, we're not going to take no shots, I had to come to this realization that certain individuals are simply put lukewarm and their claims that they stand with the black diaspora. And I mean it. I dang on mean it. Lukewarm. Of course, when something like, of course, like a vandalism or identifiable racist or, you know, of course, God forbid, the loss of life happens, especially when we talk about police accountability and police brutality, you know, everybody wants to be woke. Everybody wants to post on their social media. Everyone wants to say that black lives do matter. However, nobody can be found when it's time to put forth the work to continue to fight the good fight through the very things that they do to combine their resources to bring change to our communities, both from a cultural and from a systemic level. Well, newsflash, you can't expect all the people that continue to be on the front lines to be there forever on the front lines. Granted, it's important that alumni always come back. It's important that we continue to build up our fellow classmates that are going to be here fighting that good fight. But newsflash, graduation is never too far away. So my question to all of you right now listening to this, what are you willing to lose? Better, better yet, what must happen for you to be consistent in your advocacy to bring cultural and systemic change for your fellow classmates and if you believe in diversity, equity, and inclusion here in your very communities. You know, going back to what's going on at, at my campus, you know, one of the hot topics on our campus is the face of a social media app called Yik Yak. Even though it's anonymous, granted, there's been a number of threats of violence ranging from lynchings. Yes, I said it, lynchings. And it's ironic because there was a lynching five minutes down the road at the administrative house for our city. Not too long ago, one of the last actually that's happened in the state of Maryland that was recorded. Um, and then, of course, also direct assaults on individuals. In addition, sexual assaults made towards individuals as well. Of course, most, if not all people, are going to say what they've been saying. And they're going to say, of course, they condone and they condemn the remarks made. Specifically condemn, I'm sorry, what's been said. Of course, nobody's going to openly admit that. Although she just bold like that. However, 
there's always the however part that comes right after when they say that. And you want to take a guess? If this was a game show and I was just like, where's 100 people? What would be the first word that comes after however, the first topic that would be utilized? What would you guess? I'll, I'll give you 10 seconds. What would you guess? About seven seconds. Eight, nine, ten. Okay, so um, I'm just going to repeat the question because I know I wasn't really making too much sense. So if we asked 100 people, after saying we condemn such speech, there would always be a however. What would be the thing used after the word however? What topic would be used? Well, spoiler alert. After they use however... This is the word that comes after. Now, for all my friends listening who may not be the most political buff, again, what comes to mind and what do you think is used to house these inexcusable threats and disruptions to campus, let alone that are racially charged? You guessed it, the First Amendment, freedom of speech. Good Lord. Y'all, I'm going to have to go off radar and say that that's the most incompetent yet incompatible excuse that could could ever be used to merit for such complacency ever and i mean that i mean it i mean it although the app cannot be snuffed by the school by no means as it's uh, of course an international platform if i'm not mistaken what can be done to address this well, I'm going to be honest with you. Some of the solutions that were proposed was uh, bomb it with kindness. Uh, yeah, you must have Googled that online because um, apparently some students are being told by the professors to Google things online. We won't talk about that. We'll talk about that in another episode about why you know it's important that we uh, build programs that actually encompass black people. But we won't talk about that right now. But bombing it with kindness? Going on the app and, and saying nice things? Hmm. Why didn't I think of that? Yeah. Or, or, or better yet, better yet, you know, what else do we do? What else can we do? We have our groups just say, oh, well, we're going to ban it. Personally, you know, personally, I'm going to take an oath, I'm going to ban it. Okay, okay. Uh, again, that's, that's appealing to the cultural. What about the, the systemic? What about the institutional? Because, you know, people always say, well, where's the solutions at? We're not hearing the solutions. You know what solution that was proposed? The embargo of the school's Wi-Fi. That demonstrates an active stance of the school to not only utilize the money that's generated through tuition to, again, ensure the feasibility of preventing such disruptions to campus. But in addition to that, it takes some action, even if it's very little. As soon as that was said, the narrative got spun so fast, it wasn't even funny. It kind of reminded me of Brown versus Board of Education when, you know, of course, when the whole ideal was heading to, to the courts, everybody was like, oh, no, 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 that violates more state law. That violates this, that violates that. It violates the Constitution. Where? 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 And see, that's how you had a lot of, you know, Jim Crow separate a lot of the institutional settings when you talk about segregation is, again, a lot of these state laws would utilize previous court cases to, again, develop inequitable discriminatory laws to oppress black people. 
putting the federal government in a position where, again, they knew what lines to cross until they were told to cross that line. And I say it like this, because again, it took those very challenges by the oppressed to, again, ensure that the next generation has what they need to, again, succeed. Don't you think they were told that this was impossible? It's impossible for black people and white people to be in the same room without segregation, of course, through the state laws. But again, it took defiance. It took resilience. It took perseverance to get the job done. Now, this was a little spark note summary. Don't get me wrong. I will get more thorough in this analogy, especially when we talk about the strategies utilized to challenge these said barriers, especially when you talk about entities like the NAACP, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, where they tested by utilizing people to violate those said laws, whether they were state or federal, to again get a challenge out of it. But again, it took resilience to do that. And it took that leap because they knew that they want to provide a better life for future people to come, especially as a diaspora. So if we can do that, why can't this community do this? I mean, again, it doesn't even apply to the First Amendment. If you really want to get technical, if anything, it would apply to the 14th Amendment when it comes to your inability to pursue life, liberty, to pursue property. But again, that's based on interpretation. So what I'm getting at is this. We need to see actions. Because you can't say that hate does not have a home here, yet you reaffirm a principle that is so oftenly skipped over when it comes to disruptions of campus. I'll give you an example. It's ironic because at our school, there is signage displayed saying, if you get vulgar, and I, I'm saying it like the sign says it, vulgar with a specific office on campus, and I'll let y'all guess which office it is because it's the office that usually has the most run-ins with students, staff, and faculty in the specific office, especially when you get that $100 fee. You can be referred to the Code of Community Standards Office or HR. Where's the First Amendment in that dialogue? Where's the threat of being sued there? If I wanted to be more broad, I could say the school is uh, you know, more prone to get sued for accessibility than they would for, for this, honestly, if we're being completely honest. But again, there's a point to this. Why is it when it comes to black lives it's, lack, it's a lack of priority when it comes to the livelihood, when it comes to the, to the daily life. It's not a priority unless it's profitable. Unless it's the big day. And when I mean the big day, I mean there's individuals within our community that make it. And it's funny because those very individuals that walk through these halls of our institution that have been advocates were once ignored by the very institution, not just necessarily in terms of turning their back, but turning, turning an eye, especially when it comes to the seriousness of what's going on on this campus, when it comes to inequities, when it comes to discrimination, when it comes to the lives of black people. And so again, I'm saying this not from a stance of policy advocacy. I'm not saying it from a stance of uh, this school is evil. I'm saying it from a stance of what will it take 
And I'm asking you this. What will it take? Because honestly, and I'm going to say it like I've told people. What's stopping us as a diaspora, especially here on this campus, to say, well, if you're black and you're thinking about going here, take your dollar somewhere else. Because your life clearly does not matter at this institution. Your grades clearly do not matter at this institution. So if all those things don't matter, especially when things happen, then does your dollar matter here at this institution? Ah, that's a different conversation now. You speak in the language. If your dollar is impacted, especially in large number, ooh, the school, you know, they, they start to get in tune with it. You know, it's like they had a bang energy drink or something. It's like they're on a love connection, kind of, a little bit. And it's not just, I don't want to pick just on the school. Because the school's only, the leadership of the school is only a fraction of, again, one office when it's really spread out against, it's spread out uh, throughout the institution itself, especially when you talk about the student leadership, the staff leadership, and the faculty leadership. And, you know, in full transparency, I was one of those student leaders, those show-face, share-governance student leaders. And it took me a while to, again, learn this quote-unquote system. But after learning this quote-unquote system, or at least having a foundation, sharing it amongst my colleagues so that they can educate themselves on the system. Because, of course, if we talk about the system, we can talk about the shared governances, we can talk about how the institution, how the institution operates from a system standpoint, how their budgetary allocations realigns with their output and what they're trying to do as an institution to, again, get more money. We can talk about all those things. And much, much more. We can talk about the faculty. We can talk about curriculum. We can talk about all these different avenues. But again, based on learning all those things, what do you do with that? Especially when it comes to moments like these when you need to bring change, when people are hurting, people are suffering. People are hurting, as I said. You have to share it. You have to educate. You have to inform. And you definitely have to work to empower. Because when people have those skills, again, you are making the impossible possible. There's a reason why this work's not easy. And there's certainly a reason why this work is hard to find. Because again, once somebody sets the tone and sets the example, that's when you start to get change on a much bigger scale. And you can take that back and say, I started that movement. That's one That's one of the formulas that makes black excellence so unique in our DNA. Even when put down, even when villainized, even when, you know, tokenized. I can't tell you how many times that people tried to make me seem like I was a monstrous villain. I've heard it all the time. They say this about you. They say that about you. Oh, well, as leader of so-and-so, You know, it's my duty to say that people feel this way about you. Well, if I took the low road, you would not be in the position that you are if I took the low road. But no, you got to take the high road because when they go low, you go high. And the reason is this. Again, as a black person, as a black male, You have to always keep composure. 
I want to say it's for all black people, but I guarantee you a lot of black people feel the same way. You have to keep a composure because the moment that you step out of that perimeter, again, all they see, no matter how intellectual you are, no matter how famous you are, no matter how much money you have, no matter how much education you have, no matter how much capital you have, you are still just viewed as the angry black person. The angry black person. The angry black person. I'm going to say it one more time. The angry black person. It's tiring. I'm going to be honest with y'all. It's tiring. And I don't mean to go on a rant. I don't mean to stand on my soapbox. But it's tiring. It really is. Especially when you know that the work that you do upsets the majority. But that's how you know that you're doing it right. You just need to make sure that you are empowering your fellow colleagues to continue that work because it does not stop with you. No matter how far y'all get, no matter if you bang out everything that y'all say y'all were going to do, the work is never done. Because when that work continues on, you're setting the bar higher so that more people can achieve better, so that there's a better foundation for the people that come after you. That's the name of the game. But for all the people, especially at this campus, that are advocating their hearts out, that are getting burned out, that are getting frustrated, just know one thing. Know one thing. The work that you do, once again, is not easy, but you are on the right track. It is going to be a lonely road. You're going to feel like people are villainizing you. You're going to feel like people are... are are set against you. People are trying to befriend you just to get more information. But stick by the people that are going to stick by you on the daily, that are in the trenches with you. Because those are the very people that are going to be alongside you when, again, the things get done. Because it will get done. It may not be with you, but it will get done. But again, what are you doing to set the bar higher once it gets done? You know, at the student, there's always a student forum. Always. Always, always, always. And sometimes I think to myself, some of these people in this room, I hope they don't be politicians. I hope they don't. And it's not from a standpoint of personal politics. It's not from a standpoint of of their own quote-unquote philosophies. But I will say this. There's going to be a lot more people that are a lot more direct a lot more assertive, a lot more swift than some of the rhetoric that's coming out of that chamber. And you're asking for the L when you do that. I'm just going to be very simple in terms. And quite frankly, again, what people fail to understand is this. We are going to be victorious. And history is going to remember fondly the people who were in the trenches, the people who pulled up as allies, and the people, and this is the important thing, the people that were either complacent or the people that were against the notion of diversity, equity, inclusion. Complacency is a very interesting word. Standbyers. Bystanders, excuse me. Standbyers. (laughs) 
bystanders. That's a great example of complacency. But in addition, the people who, of course, are openly giving that rhetoric. Saying, oh, well, why don't they just, you know, again, accept the fact that, you know, free speech, it hurts, but it's free speech. Get over it. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. When they don't even have a clue what that even means, especially from a constitutional standpoint. So I'll leave y'all with this. Keep your head up. Keep fighting the good fight. And remember, this work is not easy, but we will be victorious. We will, because it's not just for us. It's for the people that are coming after us for the next five, six, seven years. And it's interesting because those very people are coming to those very open houses, those very admitted students days. Y'all have a good day. Stay safe.